This episode is brought to you by Vin Italy International Academy, the toughest Italian wine program. 1,000 candidates have produced 262 Italian wine ambassadors to date. Next courses in Hong Kong, Russia, New York, and Verona. Think you make the cut? Apply now at vinitalyinternational.com. Welcome to our special SOS Everybody Needs a Bit of Shinsa installment. This is a shout out to all the wine geeks out there. We need some feedback on the Professor's new book, the English version of Jumbo Shrimp Guide to the Origins, Evolution, and Future of the Grapevine. The Italian Wine Podcast is part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp brand, and Mama Jumbo Shrimp is all about breaking down difficult concepts into small, bite-sized pieces. The issue here is that the new book is, well, a bit difficult to chew at this point. So we want to invite wine lovers out there to give us their input and advice to make the final product more reader friendly. So have at it, wine lovers. Don't be shy. Send your comments to info at italianwinepodcast.com. Now on to the show. Welcome to Everybody Needs a Bit of Shinsa. This is a special Everybody Needs a Bit of Shinsa because it's Without Shensa, it's actually the reading, the narration of his new book. And uh, I'm here with Richard Huff. Hello, Richard. Hi, Joy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm actually standing in for Stevie, who usually um, does these little episodes with you. They're very short and and sweet, and it's essentially going to be you uh, giving us a little bit more on the book that you have translated. Of course, as everyone who is in this community or is, uh, you know, aware of, of Shensa's work, he does work in Italian. So you've done an amazing job translating it. And of course, it's been, you know, it's quite an in-depth work. So perhaps at the end, we can we can spend a couple seconds talking about your thoughts on, you know, yeah, how the, how the, the scientific community or the, the wine community rather can engage with this book and help us really to, to find a, an audience for it. Exactly. So uh, without further ado, Go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about the chapter that you're you're about to read. Go ahead and take it away. Yeah, okay. So this um, chapter is chapter nine, which I've entitled American and European Vines, A Shared History. And this chapter explores some of the typical characteristics associated with the American and European vine species and explains why the biological and genetic reasons for the differences. Um, the classic one being that foxy that taste or foxy aroma associated with certain American vines. Um, and this chapter tries to explain where that smell comes from and its role in the evolution of the species. Just a word of warning before we start. There's some technical language in this chapter, including some biological compounds, which I'll do my best to pronounce correctly. But please don't laugh if I trip up on one or two of those. Okay, so this is chapter nine, American and European vines, a shared history. In the scientific community, the common origin of the American and the European species of vine remains a divisive issue. Classifications based on ampelographic and geographical characteristics allow clear distinctions to be drawn between species, rather like comparisons made in the past between human races. The proof of these differences according to the defenders of the purity of the European vine, is the presence of two metabolites in the berries, the ester methoantranolite 
which is responsible for the strawberry flavour, and malvidin-free glucoside, which is particularly present in red grape skin and red wine. But can two chemical compounds in berries really be responsible for the differences between the American and the European vine? As a result of a double mutation, the gene that codes for the malvidin is underrepresented in Vitis vinifera, although it is present in its genome. It is related to a gene involved in the synthesis of this characteristic foxy aroma of Vitis labrusca. This collocation means that in the hybrids of Vitis labrusca, the foxy aroma is transferred together with those of synthesized anthocyanins. However, due to the effects of genetic mutations or recombinations that occurred during evolution, the expression of these genes has, over generations, been profoundly changed in the European vine, which is why the foxy aroma is no longer so apparent. This absence can be attributed to the genetic drift due to the reduced number of individuals in the population or to the effect of the reduction of the variability caused by endozucori, the biotic dispersal of seeds performed by birds who are attracted to plants with large colourful berries with high sugar content and other aromatic components. Environmental conditions, for example, low temperatures during particular periods of the reproductive cycle, may also have induced the expression of some otherwise silent genes. This interaction with the outside world is explained by epigenetics, the process of gene modification that does not alter the gene sequence, but is instead modified by mutations caused by the adaptation mechanisms of the plant in response to environmental stimuli such as high radiation, water and thermal shocks, food shortages, etc. In relation to the prominence of varieties with particular phenotypic characteristics and in their subsequent multiplication, humans can intervene through clonal selection and birds, in the case of wild plants, through the choice of berry that they feed on and disperse. On this basis, it is possible to understand why the chemical compounds responsible for the foxy or strawberry aroma, methoanthranolite, in the berries of European vines are present in much smaller quantities compared to the American vines derived from Vitis labrusca. The compound of the gene that contains this strawberry aroma is present in American grape varieties because of a genetic mutation that occurred over time. In that context, the distinctive flavours probably encouraged the widespread dispersal of the seeds by certain animals who were attracted to the fruit by its pungent aroma. There may also be another factor linked to the role of these compounds in the defence of the plant from insects and or fungi. The presence of methoanthranolite in Vitis labrusca and Vitis rotundifolia and their respective absence in other grape species is a form of adaptation that encourage seed dispersal. These odorous compounds may in fact have been produced by the vine to protect the berries from attacks by birds, since the smell of this molecule, reminiscent of jasmine, may also act as a repellent. At the same time, they could also function as an attractant for other animals, including small rodents, 
due to their preference for seeds whose husks are rich in tannins and need to be digested by gastric juices to germinate. On the other hand, in Europe, since this evolutionary mechanism, small mammals that eat grape berries, was absent, the gene frequency responsible for the synthesis of these substances was lower. One of the most important aspects of the specificity of American species is the synthesis of anthocyanin glycosides. This specificity is transmitted by a dominant strain of DNA, which, due to a double mutation in the gene coding, is no longer found in Vitis vinifera. The gene in question is located on chromosome 9 of the Pinot Noir genome and is related to the putative gene of an alcohol enzyme that is involved in the synthesis of the characteristic Foxiaroma of Vitis labrusca. This co-localization means that in Vitis labrusca hybrids, the Foxiaroma is transferred together with that of the synthesized anthocyanins but also that, due to the effects of genetic mutations or recombinations, the expressions of these compounds can appear profoundly changed over generations. In the makeup of the Foxy aroma, there are at least three chemical components, methoanthranolite, two aminocetophenonone, and furaniol, of which the first is the most important. Two genes have been identified which are differently expressed in Vitis labrusca and Vitis vinifera, which for simplicity we are going to refer to as AMT and MAT. AMT is expressed more in Vitis labrusca than in Pinot Noir, and its overregulation in American genotypes is caused by differences in transcription. The AMT gene in particular is responsible for the differences found between Vitis labrusca and Vitis vinifera grapes due to a mutation which may have occurred in the past and which has produced differences in DNA sequences. Although associated with American species and their hybrids, methoanthranolite has also been detected in Pinot Noir wines along with esters of anthrilic and cinnamic acids and the basis of the typical fruity notes, exotic fruit, dried plum, strawberry berries, of Burgundian Pinot Noir. The levels of methoanthranolite detected in the grapes descended from Vitis labrusca can vary between 20 and 300 micrograms per litre. In red wines obtained from the vines of Vitis vinifera, the maximum detected is 100 micrograms per litre, concentrations ranging from 4.1 to 823 micrograms per litre for furaniol and from 9.5 to 318 micrograms per litre for methoanthranolite have been detected. The detection limits in hydroalcoholic solutions of furaniol and methoanthranolite are 37 micrograms per litre and 3 micrograms per litre respectively. Furaniol is the most abundant aromatic compound in the sensory profiles of Vitis rotunda folia and an important component of the characteristic aroma of Vitis labrusca. However, furaniol has also been identified in numerous cultivars of Vitis vinifera, such as Tempranillo, Grenache and especially Pinot Noir. The concentrations are much lower than the Vitis rotunda folia and Vitis labrusca hybrids, 
but can still significantly exceed the detection threshold of 5 to 37 micrograms per litre and contribute to the fruitiness of Vitis vinifera vines even at low concentrations. Furin derivatives, more common in Vitis vinifera wines, such as Fulfural and Sotolone, are formed during fermentation and aging. Methoantranolite forms the basis of the atypical aging of flavour in some wines obtained from Vitis vinifera. It is commonly recognised as giving the smell of wet wool, furniture polish, or mothballs. Gosh, that is a lot of uh, technical lingo. Yes, probably too much if the truth be told. And I think especially for a, an audience that's listening, quite difficult probably to grasp some of those technical terms. I, what we've tried to do in the book is, is give some explanatory notes and glossaries um, to try to help digest some of those technical terms. But I think in particular that chapter nine will, will require some reworking perhaps to make it digestible. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, it, there is an important discussion here around the, the shared history and origins and, and biological identity of the American and European grapevines. So there is an interesting story to be told there. It's just how do we do that without overdoing the, the science? Right, right. So I think that, um, you know, it is, it is that that's one of the reasons that we're doing this is so that we can get feedback from those who listen in and perhaps have an idea of how to make, you know, other than glossaries and such, what, what would make this more palatable for the reader, not just for, you know, serious wine geeks, but just for wine lovers who want to learn more. But, you know, because of course, as you and I know, this is for the Jumbo Shrimp series, which breaks down really large and difficult concepts, making them more simple. Yeah. And easy. I'm, I, yeah. I think we're not, we're not quite there yet, are we? I think, especially with that chapter. And to be honest, it, it helps me as well. When I, when I read that back now, I get a sense that there is still some work to be done in terms of making that um, something that we can claim is digestible. To all, yeah. Anyway, as you said, I'd be really interested in, uh, in any feedback from the, the international wine community on, on how, we, how we do that. And, uh, of course, where would somebody go if they wanted to jot down a note for you? Well, yeah, they, they can just um, contact me through the, the normal social media channels of the um the italian wine podcast or they can email me directly it's richard hoff at just do the work dot it right and all of the social media channels for the italian wine podcast are listed in the show notes below so go ahead and check those out and um for this episode that is a wrap and we will see you again next week with another chunk from Everybody Needs a Bit of Shinsa SOS edition where we ask the community to give us their feedback. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chi-chi. Hi, guys.
guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.